Okay, so uh, today is part two of our series, Abiding in Christ. If you missed last week's message, it is available on our website. You can go and listen to it there, which is a beautiful thing. Thanks to my wife for, for getting the website and the, and the audio and all that kind of stuff going. Thanks to the guys in the back for recording. Really appreciate that. So just, I know even though if you weren't here last week, I'll just do a real quick review of what we talked about because it was pretty exhilarating, honestly. Last week we learned that it is possible for a Christian to burn out, fail, or fall away from God. And we discussed the three main reasons why. The re- those reasons are we don't, we don't have a connection to Christ or we don't spend time abiding in him. We can, also, we can also burn out, fail, or fall away because of poor or unrepaired character in our lives or simply not knowing what to do as a follower of Jesus. I've accepted Jesus into my life. Yay. What now? And a lot of people don't ask that question and they fizzle very fast. But we also talked about the five benefits or at least five benefits that we receive or we experience when we are renewed by abiding in Christ. We talked about how we have fellowship with the Lord. We talked about how we won't wither or dry up spiritually. We talked about how we have victory over temptation to sin. We grow in godly character and we succeed in life. Those are the benefits. And today we're going to talk about how to practically abide in Jesus. How we can connect to him so that we can experience this renewal that we talked about last week. So today is going to be super practical. If you're a note-taking person, I think there will be some things you may want to consider writing down. If you're not a note-taking person, I hope your memory is impeccable or you turn into a note-taking person miraculously during the service. Because these are things that have changed my life and I want to share them with you because I think that they could do the same. So we'll we'll pray here and then uh, we'll get right into things. Lord Jesus, we are so excited to learn last week that you want to have fellowship with us, that we have an opportunity to abide and connect with you. And because of that, we can be nurtured spiritually. Now, Lord Jesus, we're going to look at some very practical things that you have actually told us that we are supposed to do in our lives so that that connection remains strong and vital. I pray that we would take these things to heart and apply them to our lives. We need to do these things, not just know them. Please give us the strength that we need to do the things that we're going to learn about today. Amen. Okay, so let's just get right into it. If we want to have this abiding in Christ relationship, if we want to experience this fellowship with him, the first thing, the first thing that we need to do is have a daily devotion time with God, a time that we set aside to spend time with him. So we just reviewed the benefits of abiding in Christ that we talked about last week. Now, we are not overstating it one bit when we say that a connection to Christ that looks like anything on that list of benefits is going to require us to take daily steps of action to allow it to happen in our lives. And the Bible is where we get this idea from to connect with God on a daily basis. It's not some pastor's idea who is just trying to think of ways to fill a service or to get his people to be busy during the week. This is a biblical concept that we want to follow because as a church, the Bible Bible is our final authority on life. And so the scripture that we look at for this one is Deuteronomy 6, 6 to 9. It says this, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them, 
when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So this directive from God to know his commands is pretty explicit. It is very much to the point. God doesn't beat around the bush here at all. He's telling us, hey, you need to know the commands that I'm giving to you. You need to be so familiar with them that they are a part of everything that you do every day. Notice that this passage doesn't say to read about them. Now, at some point, you would have to read about them to initially have them come into your life because that's where we find God's commands in Scripture. But it actually says that you're supposed to be talking about them. Talk about them, and then it says when. So why would, why would this passage say that these people, the Israelites in this case, are supposed to talk about the commands of God? I think it's because the people of Israel were so intent at this juncture in their lives to know the commands of God that they were actually memorizing them. I think that they, they had read about them or someone had told them about them in temple or something like that. And now they were talking about them to keep them fresh in their hearts so they would not forget about these things, but keep them always on their mind. They talked about it because they wanted to be familiar with what Jesus or what God had to say. And when they, when they did this, or sorry, when did they spend time talking about or memorizing these commands? They did it when every time that they possibly could in all situations in life. It says when they were, uh, when you sit at home. So when they were at home, this is what they were talking about. When they were traveling or on the road, this is what they were talking about. When they were resting or laying down, this is what they were talking about. Can you imagine that? You're laying down on some couches in your living room and just talking about Jesus. I guess that works. It could be a good thing. Or when they got up to do something, when they were moving into action, they were talking about the commands of God. So basically what we can learn here is that the intake of God's word was meant and still is meant to be a daily occurrence. Every day we are meant to abide in Christ and connect to Jesus. And Joshua 1 verse 8 talks about this as well. It says, keep this book of the law always on your lips Meditate on it day and night so you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. How often were they supposed to take in God's word? Always, day and night. It was meant to be what they lived and breathed and thought about all the time. Psalm 1 verse 2 agrees with this. I love Psalm 1. It's a beautiful passage. But verse 2 says, But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. So here's a question that I just I want to throw out there for us to ponder for just a moment. Do we eat or do we need to eat food daily for our bodies? It's not a trick question. I'm not talking about fasting or how long can you go without food or how long you can hold your breath underwater or anything like that. You know, do our bodies need food? Yes, obviously. If I go even missing one meal, let alone missing an entire day, my stomach grumbles. I notice that there's something different. I maybe will get a headache if I go a whole day without food. I notice a difference when I lack physical nourishment. Can you guys agree with that one? 
Yeah, we, we get it. We know that our body needs something and we recognize when we're lacking it. So we also need daily spiritual food for our soul. If I don't abide with Jesus for 24 hours, I notice something missing. I notice a difference. When we were on vacation this summer, it was difficult because of our schedule. We're all in the same hotel room for me to get up and spend the same time with Jesus that I'm used to. And that was like a spiritual fast where I was missing out on that spiritual nourishment from God. Did I notice the difference? Absolutely. I was a little bit more cranky than I normally am. And and my thought life was, I felt like it was being invaded by temptation. Oh my goodness. Spiritual nourishment was what I was lacking. And I noticed what the lack was. Now, if we talk about physical food, we can say, well, fasting, missing out on physical food for a portion of time has benefits. But I want to be crystal clear about this. Spiritual fasting does not have any benefits. Taking a break from food can have positive results for us spiritually. Taking a break from God and the spiritual nourishment that he provides for us is never beneficial. And I cannot be more clear about that than saying it again. It can never be beneficial for us to miss out on spiritual nourishment from God. In fact, I will say that it doesn't just lack benefit, but it actually is destructive and harmful for our spiritual health if we go long periods of time when we miss out on being connected to Jesus. Another question that we should ask is, when it comes to daily devotions, is how long should daily devotions last? Or how long should this time that we spend abiding with God take? Now, I'm speaking from experience when I say that 10 minutes is not enough time. That used to be my devotion time in my life. I would get up, spend maybe five or ten minutes reading through a random passage in the Bible. I would close my Bible, have no idea what I just read, and then went on with my day. And that was the spiritual nourishment I was, I was allowing into my life. Often we take at least ten minutes just to quiet our hearts down, to quiet our minds down, so that we can enter a position of being ready to receive from God. Life is busy, am I right? Like we have things going on, thoughts in our minds, responsibilities and all sorts of cares and worries of the world that invade our lives. When we sit and just be quiet, sometimes it takes us at least 10 minutes just to block those things out. I have a friend, he told me years ago that he tried to get quiet with the Lord and just be in a position ready to receive from him, but thoughts kept coming into his mind. So he had a little scratch pad beside him and he would just write down things. He's like, oh yeah, I got to pick up groceries after work. Write it down. So he wouldn't have to have the pressure of remembering it. He could clear his mind. It's like, oh yeah, I got to talk to this person about this issue. Write it down. Oh yeah, I got to go on a diet. Boom. boom. Like whatever it is, all these things, he'd write them down so he could clear his mind so that God could come and be on center stage. So it's beautiful when we say, okay, I'm going to give God time not only to meet with him, but just to quiet myself so I can meet with him. And then once we... Once we're in that position, we can start to really receive from his word because other things aren't stealing us away. Now, I will say 10 minutes is better than nothing, okay? Just like a snack is better than no food at all. But I want you to think about your daily devotion time with God like a spiritual meal. Think about the preparation that goes into a meal, 
Think about the time that it takes to actually get food, prepare it. Maybe you have to cook it or warm it up even. It takes a little bit of forethought. It takes a little bit of effort. But then once you've put that in, the food that you're eating is so much better than something you could just grab and go, right? We're talking about, we're talking about like a casserole. Of, of spiritual nourishment or something like that compared to a cookie or a Twinkie of spiritual kind of whateverness. That's kind of the way I look at it. Food is a good thing. Uh, so this kind of interaction with God, this spiritual nourishment, this spiritual meal is far better than a, just a grab and go high and bye to Jesus within the space of five or 10 minutes to start our day. Now, We've talked about a couple of things around this. We're going to get right down to brass tacks here. What are the requirements for having a a daily devotion time with God? What do we actually have to do, Jeff? Okay, I'm going to sit down. I'll give it more than 10 minutes. What do I do with that 15, 20, 30 minutes that I'm supposed to take? Well, once again, I'm going to say this. If if you're a note taker, this is where you're going to want to write things down. You will need these next few things later on this week if you want to follow through, okay? So the first thing that you need to have a a good daily devotion time with God is a good Bible for reading and for memorization. Now, when I say a good Bible, I'm talking about a Bible that you can understand. Now, maybe you've been given a family Bible at one point in your life. Maybe it's a KJV, like a King James Version. That is the Word of God. However, it was written in, I think it was published in 1611. Now, we speak differently today than we did in 1611. Granted, there's been a few updates, But it's a difficult Bible for me to understand. I don't read it. It still is God's word. But what I can understand a lot easier is uh, New International Version or the New Living Translation. Those are my two go-to translations that I use because I understand them and I can feel that God will speak to me in those because I'm not looking up the definition of a word that has fallen out of the English vocabulary 200 years ago. Okay, so find a good Bible that you understand and use it. That is, that's the key. Second thing that you need is a notebook or a journal. Now you could go paper, you could go old school paper and pen. If you want to be doing something digital, that's fine. But what you need these things for is something, you just need something to write down on. Because when you're interacting with Jesus, when you're spending time with Jesus, guess what? If you give him time, Jesus is going to show up and he's going to start speaking into your life. And when the Lord speaks, you want to remember what he says. So you need a place to write it down. So I have, I have a prayer journal on my computer and, and I write in there every day. I write things down that I'm asking God for, things that I'm thanking him for, and I write down things that he's teaching me because I don't want to forget them. I want to be able to look back. So you can go paper or digital, but you just need something where you can write down. The next thing you need is a personal prayer list because prayer is a great thing for us to do when we're spending time with God. If you have a list of things that you're praying for, it can grow, you can add to it, you can check things off that God has answered prayers. If you don't have any of these things written down, sometimes the structure, that your, your time with God needs to have will be lacking because it's like, what am I praying for again? What do I even need? And God maybe reminds you of something from months ago that you should be praying for for a while. I looked at my prayer list and I have everything dated on there from when I, when I added it on. The oldest thing that I have on there is from December of 2018. So we're coming up on a year and I still need God to answer that prayer. So I'm still praying it. And that's a good thing. We can see how God, how God has been faithful over the, over the months and years. Uh, next thing that you need uh, for having a daily devotion time with God is a quiet place. 
some place that is distraction-free, some place where you're not going to be bothered and interrupted. Now, it may be a place in your home. If you have that luxury, go for it. Sometimes when we have small children at home, those things always, don't always go as planned. Um, but if you have an office that you can go to during the day, or if you have a, a, a quiet spot somewhere in town, even if you want to just drive out into a country road in your car, and that's the place where you can meet with God the best, go for it. One little cheater note here, I find that earlier in the morning is better. Because the day starts quiet, doesn't it? If we get up before the birds, chances are we're also going to beat lots of people out of bed. If we don't turn our phone on first thing in the morning, but we turn into the word of God, that's where our attention's going to be. We can cut out those distractions by getting up a little bit earlier. Um, and also, uh, as in addition to a quiet place, we also need a consistent time during the day. Sometimes if, if we say, well, I'll get to it at some point today, the truth is that it's actually very rare that we're going to be consistent in the time that we meet with God. Because you know how it is. The day gets full. It gets busy. Something, someone calls. Something comes up. And all of a sudden, we thought we were going to have time that afternoon or that evening. And it's gone. It is out the window. Before we know it, it's 10 o'clock. It's time to hit the hay. At least it is at our house. So what you should do is find a time and you say, this is the time that I'm going to meet with God. For example, 7 a.m., that's the time. So if I'm going to meet with God at 7 a.m., that means I need to eat breakfast and shower and do all that stuff before then. That takes me half an hour, let's say. So I need to get up by 6.30 so that I can meet with God at our designated time of 7 a.m. It's important to be consistent. It's, that's how we develop positive habits and routines, right? The next thing that we need after that is an expectant spirit. If abiding with Jesus is simply seen as a chore or a task to complete and we're not looking to get anything out of it, we will never enjoy it. It will never be something that actually speaks to us and nourishes us because our heart doesn't even want it to. So that's why we need an expectant spirit. So if we, if we come to Jesus with this heart expecting him to speak, expecting his word to nourish us, expecting him to hear our prayers, expecting him to speak truth into our lives, probably we're going to be in a position where we're going to actually experience what we're expecting. And that's a beautiful thing. And the final thing here that we need if we're going to have a daily devotion time with God, and this may look familiar, is we need a, a Bible study acronym that can help us out. And I don't know if you remember, but... Uh, during the winter, right after we candidated and we started visiting here every so often, we talked about SCOOP. We talked about the way I don't read the Bible anymore, I SCOOP the Bible. Now, SCOOP is an acronym that uh, has five words in it. Here's what it says. Scripture, confession, observation, obedience, prayer. Real quick refresher on what those things are. So scripture simply means that we look at scripture. We go to God's word and we jot down things that stand out to us. Maybe I read a verse this week that I was preaching on and I was like, oh, I can use that verse. I know what that one says. And I read it again. It's like, oh my goodness, I never noticed that. So I wrote it down. I said, the Lord, thank you. What does this mean? Where does this go? We write down things that we observe or things that stand out to us in scripture. The next thing to do is confession. Spend some time asking God, is there something from this passage that I need to confess is my sin? Maybe you read something about murder and you need to get that off your chest. Okay. Everyone's quiet. Maybe we're all guilty of that. One. I don't know. 
It's okay to laugh in church, right? Maybe it's something else. But if you read something and it really strikes a chord in your heart, like, oh, Lord, that is, that is me. That's where I'm failing. That's where I'm stumbling. It's good to confess it to God so that that doesn't stand between you and him. If there's something else that he wants to point out, absolutely. Take time to confess and repent of that as well. After that is observation. Now, we're not asking for our own observations of what we're reading. Now we're asking, Lord, I just read your word. What do you want me to observe? Is there something here that is critical for my life with you to, to be built on? Show me these things. And after that is obedience. We don't want to ask God to reveal things to us if we're not going to follow through and obey them. So we say, Lord, specifically, what can I put into practice this week? How can I obey you today based on what I just read in your word? And then finally is P, prayer. And that's where we we. All the things that we just learned, all the things that we read about are where God was nourishing us. We say, Lord, please help me to follow through on these things. Thank you for what you're showing me. What is this? You know, you might have a follow-up question in your prayer time. What does this mean when you say, you know, thou shalt not covet? I don't understand that. What is coveting? And, and maybe God is going to help you out and figure some things out. But all of these things... Uh, not just this SCOOP acronym, but everything that we listed before that, all of these things are things that I employ in my life on a daily basis or a very regular basis at least because these are the ways where God has grown in me and, and I've experienced more of him in these last years. You know, we, we have a daily de- devotion time, which is wonderful, but I don't think where our lives are meant to be spent with Jesus from 7 to 8 a.m., and then we go on with our day the way we want it to. So how are some other ways that we can interact with God during the day? I think we're meant to set aside other times in addition to this to abide with Christ. Now, this may seem like, oh my goodness, Jeff, I only have so many hours in the day. How can I do all this? It actually doesn't have to take hours and hours. It can just be a beautiful thing like a five-minute timeout during your day. So... During the years that I've been working, especially at a desk job, um, I've often felt the need to break from my work and just stand up, move around, walk around, and, and kind of, I like thinking on my feet. Some, like when I, when I get a phone call at home, I'm not, sti- I'm not sitting still. I'm just pacing all around the house because I can, I can communicate better that way. I don't know why. But the same thing here. You, you're thinking, you're, you're working on something, and I need to stand up, and I just need to move around. And I found more and more over the years that those little breaks from the, from the real deep work, I love them when I'm spending them in prayer because that's when I feel the most refreshed and prepared again to meet the task that I've been working on. So I'll stand up and I'll, I'll pray about things going on in my day, things on my mind, you know, maybe stuff going on at home, things that I'm working on, people in my life that have been dropping in at church or people that I meet on the street, all those kind of things. I just, I just say, Lord, you know, these are the things on my mind. Is there anything you want to say? I just need to lay these things at your feet. And anything that is going on in my day is something that I will talk to God about. It's beautiful. Sometimes I'll come into the sanctuary and I'll just pace up and down the center aisle. So if the carpet gets weared out there faster, you know that my prayer life is strong. Sometimes I'll walk to the post office. Even if I checked the mail yesterday and there was nothing then, I'll just find a destination so I can spend time walking and praying. And I'll just, anything that God lays on my heart, I'll pray about. But by taking these brief 
but needed breaks, I always find there's peace. And there's just a momentary experience of renewal that has happened so that my life is refocused on God and it's away from myself. And isn't it good? When, because scripture says we're supposed to fix our thoughts on the things of heaven, on the things of Christ. This is just an opportunity to do that. So if you have a job where you have a, a coffee break scheduled in or, or a lunch hour, and if you can take five minutes out of that just to escape maybe some coworkers and spend some time in a quiet place, Why not give God these five-minute intervals in different times during your day? What I do is I have a reminder on my phone, and it goes off three times during the day. And it just says, hey, go and be quiet and listen to the Lord. That's all I do. I just go and be quiet, and I listen, and and I'll pray about whatever God brings to my mind. And it's just an easy way to continue the abiding with Christ. And the other thing that we're going to talk about real quick here is also... Uh, a, a weekly Sabbath. God gave the nation of Israel the Sabbath day, a one day a week holiday. Have you ever thought about it like that? Sunday is a holiday, which you can't spell holiday without saying holy day, which is exactly what it is. It's set apart for something else, as we read here in Deuteronomy 5, verse 12 to 15. It says here, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen and donkeys and other livestock and any foreigners living among you. All your male and female servants must rest as you do. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. So it's kind of interesting. You think, well, what does Egypt have anything to do with the Sabbath? Well, if you think about it, Israel was was captive there for 400-ish years. Do you think the Egyptian people gave them a Sabbath day so they could worship their God? No. So for 400 years, these people were deprived of the one thing that God gave them from the very beginning of creation, a day of rest. So that's why God takes it so seriously, because he says, this is how I've created you to function. And I want you to abide in my design for your life. So the Sabbath day, which is a dedicated day of rest, was given to us both as a command and a gift. And here's, here's just the big part of what God says about the Sabbath. It was a time for physical rest. Stop working, all of us, is what it's saying. Even animals, which is interesting that it mentions that in this passage. This day should not look like other regular work days in the week. And it was also a time to remember all that God had done for them. It was a day to spend with God. And through that time spent with God, which we call abiding, they, were, they had their spiritual rest and they, they were renewed in a spiritual sense. So let me ask you this. Does the human spirit need spiritual refreshment? Absolutely it does, right? We need God to replenish things in us like Joy. The world saps our joy. We need God to replenish that. We need God to replenish our peace and our hope and the love in our souls. We need all of these kinds of things because you and I can't do that for ourselves. We can get them in tiny bite-sized portions, but they're, they're just based on our efforts, not on God's gifts. Deuteronomy 8 verse 3 says, Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone, but we live 
We live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Without physical food, our bodies starve. Without spiritual food, which is God's word, our souls starve as well. The Israelites needed to feed on God's word. To do that, they left their work for seven days so that they could intentionally be with God without the distraction of daily work. The Sabbath day, which is Saturday in the Jewish culture and Sunday here in Western culture, is a gift from God to us. This gift from God is something that is meant to benefit us as his people. As a matter of fact, it says that. This isn't just a command for us to follow and a law for us to keep. It's for our benefit. Mark 2.27 says, Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and, and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Did you hear that? The Sabbath meets our needs. We need to rest. We need to rest with God. So just an interesting note, you may be wondering, well, we said Saturday for the Jewish people, we've said Sunday for us. You may be wondering, well, where did that switch? Why does the church meet on Sunday? When the first believers were starting to meet together, they decided to change the day of their meeting from Saturday to Sunday to coincide with the day that Jesus resurrected when he came alive again out of the grave, which is beautiful because now every Sunday that we get together, we are commemorating once again that we are alive in Christ. It's kind of a beautiful thing. When I look at our culture, I I think that the Sabbath day command that God gave us thousands of years ago is actually more crucial for today than it ever has been. If you look at the pace of life, if you look at the speed at which things are going, our world is wound so tight. We have cities in our culture that brag that they never go to sleep, right? And, and we have people who brag about their busyness. I'll ask someone during the week. I'm not picking on anyone here specifically, but I'll ask people, hey, how's your week? Oh, it's just busy. It's insane, right? And we almost wear that like a badge of honor. Why is there honor in being too busy for God? Why is there honor in something that is actually detrimental to who we are meant to be as children of the king? That doesn't make any sense. So we need this so desperately. If you look at the mental and emotional state of our culture, we're at an all-time high with things like anxiety and depression and, and all these sort of mental, emotional issues. Now, I'm not faulting anyone who's experiencing that because we all have things in our life that, that attack us. But here's the thing. Do you think it's possible that this could also be a symptom of us not resting and spending time being spiritually nourished by God? I think there, there could be a correlation there. And who wouldn't want to receive from God, if we're honest? Who, want, who wouldn't want all the benefits associated with being nourished by him? So in order to Sabbath well, we need to incorporate both physical rest and spiritual rest. The spiritual rest components in my own life, I, I just want to share about my experience because they may help you to, to, who knows, maybe take your Sabbath to the next level. So I work on Sundays. I don't know if you've noticed that. This is hard work for me. I love it, but it is technically work. So here's the thing. What, what I try to do then is make Monday my Sabbath day. I take a break from, from work things. I try not to mow my lawn or do yard work. I try not to do anything, you know, physically extraneous or, or, or something that's really going to cause me to labor too hard because I want to rest in the Lord. I, I, I'm very cautious about that. I, I don't want to be legalistic about it, but I, 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 won't go, I won't be outside mowing my lawn. You'll never see that. Um, and I'll, even if I run a couple of errands downtown, I'm not working on a huge project at home. It's maybe just, you know, hey, we ran out of butter. So I'm going to go get some butter. 
I think God's okay with that. So that's, that's the physical component. I'll, I'll spend time doing hobbies. I'll do fun things. I'll go to the bush and, and keep working on my fort. Those of you who know what that is, you know the inside joke. Those of you who don't know, you can ask me later. <laughs> but yeah, I like being outside. Recreation is a good thing on a Sabbath day. But then that spiritual rest component, it looks kind of like this. For Karen and I, because it's, uh, it's, it's beautiful, especially during the school year. Our kids are off at school. Karen and I can spend this Sabbath day together. We do our daily devotions together. We spend time praying together. Well, I'll review some of the memory verses I'm working on. I'll do my journaling. And this is a way that we have found that we get rest both physically and spiritually. We're not taking a break from work. We're actually taking a rest with God. In his, in his book called The Pastor, Eugene Peterson talks about what he and his wife do during their Sabbath days, which is a beautiful story. So Eugene Peterson pastored in Maryland for years and years and years, and he would use Monday as his day off. What he liked to do was turn off his phone, um, and they would try to get away from their house just in case people came by looking for him and say, hey, pastor, I just need five minutes, and it turns into two hours, which is okay. I love that. I love you, and if it happens, it happens, but... Eugene Peterson loved nature. So him and his wife, what they would do is they would drive anywhere from 20 minutes to two hours away from their home, and they would find a trailhead somewhere, a hiking trail. And they would stand there, and this is just so simple. His wife would open the Bible. She would read a psalm. She would pray. And then they would walk the trail in silence, sometimes for two to three hours. And then at the end, they would stop They would open up their picnic basket and they would spread out a blanket and have a lunch together and they would talk about all the things that God was saying to them from this psalm that they just read. They talk about the beauty that they had just witnessed in nature. Oh, did you see? Did you see that squirrel and how they was fighting over a nut with this other squirrel? And it's just beautiful how God created these things. Like what a beautiful picture of rest both physically and spiritually. They come together just to to commemorate what God did You know, really, I think what we're talking about today is we're just learning about the rhythm of life that God has always intended for us to have. Our culture has has drifted so far away from who God created us to be. I don't know if you've noticed that, but I think it's pretty obvious by now. And all we're trying to do is, is get back to the rhythm that God wanted. In Jeremiah 6, verse 16 Uh, It's a really neat verse. It says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. You see, we find rest spiritually when we go back to the ancient things, the things that God originally intended. There's no self-help book. There's no, there's no group that we can be a part of that's going to help us discover this apart from what the Bible says. Get back to who God has created you and I to be. So I'm going to finish here with, um, with a question, and then we'll get to the homework, because I know you're all eager for that part. So the question that we might be asking is, is it legalism? to have a daily devotion routine, to intentionally and purposefully develop into the kind of Christian that the Bible describes? Well, I'm going to answer that question with another question. Is it legalism when a doctor tells their patient to make changes to their lifestyle, to take medication, or to come into his office for some tests? No. Of course not. We need that kind of advice from a doctor. We need to listen to what he is telling us to do. If we ignore it, it's to our own demise. 
It's the same thing with the Bible. We need to listen to what it says about the topic of our time spent with God. We need to do what it says. And if we fail to listen to it, once again, it's to our own demise. So here's our our weekly challenge. You can call it homework if you want. If you think that's a four-letter word, just call it the weekly challenge. I think that'll be good. So what I want to challenge us all with is to begin a daily devotion routine. So many of us have, have this lifestyle where we have good intentions and we've got away from it. Here's our chance. All of us, we're coming together and we're going to do this thing. We're going we're gonna to begin a daily devotion routine. What I'd like you to do is with those, with those requirements or that list of, of practices that I shared with you earlier that you all took notes on, practice those things during your, your quiet time or your devotion time with God. Try to do your best to get five of the next seven days. And if you don't get five, don't worry. If you can only get two, great. Shoot for five. But let's do our best to spend consistent time day after day with God. And then, as you can see, come back next Sunday ready to share. See, the beauty of being a part of a church is that anyone can attend a church, and you probably get this much out of it. And then, if you really want to grow deep, you might participate in what, what we're talking about and take it home and do it, and you get a little bit more. But then when you come back and share about your experience and you testify how these things worked in your life, boom, all of a sudden, things really grow. And you know what? It might be a little nerve-wracking. I'm not going to ask anyone to, to do anything that they don't want to do. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to call you out. But pray about it. Maybe that's part of your devotion time this week. Lord, I want to understand your word, and I want to have the courage courage to share about it on Sunday. Huh. God answers those kind of prayers, doesn't he? Amen, Jeff. Yes. Praise the Lord. All right. I love it. Okay. Tell you what, we're going to, we're going to close with a hymn and then we'll have uh, our benediction. So Leona, come on up.